Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Brand Lab's Three Fearless Questions, brought to you by the Brand Lab, whose mission is to change the face and the voice of the marketing and advertising industry. This episode consists of interviews with attendees from the Brand Lab's annual Fearless Conversation event. This year, the event was hosted at the Walker Arts Center, and the topic was, What is Brand America? During the event, Brand Lab students invited attendees to answer our three fearless questions. So fearless question one, when was the first time you became aware of your own race? I think I was pretty young um, and I went to private school and kind of recognized that I had a lot of privilege and as I went through college I recognized it more and more and it really shaped what I did moving forward. I joined the Peace Corps, went to Africa for two and a half years, um, kind of worked in the nonprofit thing and now that's my passion. Unfortunately, growing up, uh, my father uh, is was Mexican, and uh, he explained to me that I should pronounce my last name as Herda and not Huerta, because if people knew I was Mexican, they would not um, give me a job because they thought I'd be lazy. And that's kind of the first time I was aware of my own race. The first time that I was aware of my race was in kindergarten. Um, I was the only African-American girl in my class, and it never really dawned on me until um, we were celebrating Black History Month, and everyone kept asking me what I thought because I was black. And I never really thought about it that much. It, it had a really big impact on me because it wasn't a negative experience. It just gave me a lot to think about at a really young age. And I had to have that conversation with my mom, and I really got to learn a lot through that experience. I first became aware of my race when I uh, received a very unique opportunity at the age of 11. Uh, I uh, w- was growing up in uh, inner city Boston and went to an inner city school and was suddenly given the scholarship to attend a very Tony prep school for girls and uh, was was thrilled by the opportunity, or rather my parents were, I'm not sure I understood the opportunity as well uh, myself, um, but learned on my first day there that the opportunity had only gone to two children and uh, that apparently the school had scoured the city of Boston extensively looking for one black and one Hispanic and that was it and uh, their commitment was to uh, educate these two two young people uh, for the next eight years that was a a sudden realization uh, that my race had uh, uh, some unique value um, that I was somehow leveraging, uh, but that uh, also I had been singled out, and I had been singled out on the basis of something I had not thought much about. Uh, Quite a realization at a young age. It was when I had moved out to New York City to study at NYU after high school, and even while um, there being an incredible um, array of, of people and many you know, many different people coexisting from different backgrounds. I think having um, that awareness that while I did look like many people, let's say going around campus, there was also so many people that I did not look like. I think back to when I was a child, I used to tell my sister um, that when I grow up, I want to be white like my mom because I'm a biracial individual. And I think whether or not I was consciously aware of my race. I knew that I looked different than my mom. So I think that that was 
a moment of that awareness and kind of stuck with me throughout my life. And um, I am like my mom, but I'm not white. <laughs> I'd say the first time I was aware of it, I was probably about four or five years old. Uh, my family was moving um, and we rented a house in Brooklyn Park. And across the street was an African American family. And I would go out into the street and play with them and just kind of uh, get to know the kids and their family. And I remember asking my parents why they looked different than me. And um, that's when they did their best to explain to a four or five year old, you know, the difference between a white family and a African family or Asian family or, you know, people that looked different than us. Um, and that's the first time I became aware of my own race, I think. The first time that I was aware of my own race was when I was meeting my husband's family. And I am a Caucasian female and my husband is a black man. And so when I met his family, it was just so crazy for me for the first time in my life to be the only white person in the room. And I just can't believe that that's something that my husband and other people of color go through almost every day. Being white, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood, and when I had moved out, when my parents divorced, I befriended somebody of a different color, and I had never seen a person of a different color before, and I learned a lot about different perspectives, and I learned a lot about different cultures and, and understanding different traditions and how different they were from my own, and I think it really opened my eyes to all that can be brought to a creative world and, and inspired and we talked about the different ways that we grew up and I think sharing those stories helped us bond closer together and understand that differences aren't always a bad thing. I'm not sure if I ever was. I, uh, I grew up as a Jewish kid adopted by a very Italian family in Long Island and my life was a world of guys with gold chains and big muscles and red trans amps. So of course all I wanted to do was be a break dancer. And I remember one time at the park on the cardboard as I was trying to do my thing, a, a, a group of guys came up to me and said, you can't break dance, you're Jewish. And that was probably the moment I had a sense of what identity was all about. I grew up in a uh, very white city, small town really, and uh, didn't really encounter many people of different ethnicities. And so I can actually remember the first time I'm sitting on a bus, I saw a person with skin a different color, and I'm sitting on a bus, and an Aboriginal woman, I'm from Australia, young woman was sitting across from me. Um, that's the first time I went, oh, it's, there's other people in the world who aren't the same as me. Fearless question two. When was a time you felt included or excluded? I remember a specific time I went out to dinner with a group of uh, colleagues when I was very young. I think I was 22 at the time. And uh, we went out to dinner and they all spoke Spanish. So they spoke Spanish for most of the dinner and I just felt kind of stupid more than anything. I just sat there and picked up a word here and there from my middle school Spanish days and realized that, uh, that I was an outsider in that group. And sometimes they'd kind of fill me in on what they were talking about. But uh, for the most of the dinner, I felt excluded and realized that 
other people must feel that way a lot if they are coming to this country and they don't know the language and this is their every day. And it wasn't my every day, but I remember distinctly feeling like an outsider then. And finally, fearless question three. How have you seen diversity impact your creative process? I think I've been aware that um, just how life works requires like a full embracing of everything that's different, everything that's real, everything that's present. There's really not a way to escape the fact that I'm just one person of hundreds of millions that are in this world and so bring a different point of view, a different perspective, not only because of my skin color, but because of my experiences, because of how I think and how I feel creates just ultimately who I am. The way I see diversity impacting my creativity is evaluating how every bit of public-facing material is influence. So if one of the goals of our brewery is to reach new demographics. How can I do that without being so heavy-handed towards what we're trying to do? Um, obviously, I want to draw, we want to draw attention to those issues and yet sell our product, but where is that line between this is what we're doing and these are the reasons for it and still be as authentic as we possibly can without being heavy-handed for an agenda. Fortunately, everything that we do in terms of uh, diversity and social responsibility is from a contrite heart. That balance of what is the proper level of influence that you are putting into your message is something that's constantly on my mind. I noticed the way that the art around my neighborhood was different from the art around other upper uh, neighborhoods. It kind of made me just see more colors. Um, it made me see people for who they really are. It made me think that everyone was different. Everyone had a different background and the different cultures um, had different colors and different ways that they think and it just makes me feel a lot more open to understanding people and where they come from. The whole point of being creative is to embrace diverse points of view and diverse perspectives. Um, so in my view, it's important to begin from uh, a perspective of of diversity, of a willingness to entertain, to explore, to um, to try diverse perspectives, to, to think about how might uh, someone not like me perceive this problem or this idea. From a creative perspective, diversity lies at the center of solving the problem. In my experience, it's been the lack of diversity that has sometimes impacted my own creativity. When I don't see people around me that look like me or share my background, sometimes I feel almost this overwhelming pressure to be this representative for the entire group. Um, sometimes it's paralyzing. Sometimes I feel like I don't contribute to some projects because I don't want to say something stupid and I'm the only representative for, for black people in the room or on the project. Uh, and sometimes that's, that's a lot of pressure for me. I think the responses were interesting to listen to. 
and it is a much needed conversation in our society today. Our world is becoming more diverse and it is projected that by 2043, minorities will become the majority. However, in 2016, the percentage of minorities working in the marketing and advertising industry in the Twin Cities is 7.75%. Wow, that definitely shows that fearless conversations need to occur more often, especially in the marketing and advertising industry. The Brand Lab alumni would like to thank all of the attendees who participated in this special edition of the Brand Lab's Three Fearless Questions, as well as Carmichael Lynch for providing production support.